Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back. And today I have an outstanding guest for you today. His name is Paris Wallace, CEO and co-founder at Ovia Health, the leading women's health and technology company, trusted and loved by millions. Ovia's health fertility, pregnancy, and parenting programs empower women and families to take control of their health care and start families with confidence. Paris is also co-founder of Good Start Genetics. It's a genomics company focused on fertility and reproductive health. Good Start Genetics was acquired by Invitae, and uh, this is uh, a stock market NVTA. Prior to Good Start Genetics, Paris spent his career starting companies and working with startups. He's a serial entrepreneur, a lover of healthcare and making things better in outcomes. And so it's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, Paris. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for our conversation today. Absolutely. Now, is there anything in that intro that I left out that you want to let the listeners know about? No, I mean, you did a a nice job of summing up. You know, I spent my last 10 years um, really trying to improve the healthcare system for women and families. I'm really, really excited about that. Well, it's an important mission to be focused on. There's definitely room for improvement and uh, also a lot of good being done. And so curious, what made you decide to get into the medical sector and focus in the space? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I decided pretty early on um, in life, in my career, that anything that I spent uh, my time on professionally, I wanted to be with a company or organization that really had a tangible impact, tangible positive impact on the world. So early on, during, while I was in business school, I started looking at really closely studying kind of impact, investing in impact organizations, and really thinking about where I could get involved. And I actually ended up doing a fellowship at the Kennedy School at Harvard, um, spent a year studying social entrepreneurship and saw so many different models of social change from nonprofits to for-profits and really made the decision and the realization that I thought the way that I could make the most change um, and really have a positive impact in the world was to create a for-profit company that ultimately uh, was in a business that could change the world, you know, and really improve it for folks. So uh, started Good Start while I was in business school, 
uh, with the idea of helping parents um, see if they're at risk of passing on a genetic disorder to their children, but really uh, taking next generation DNA sequencing into the clinic. We were the first company to do that on a massive scale, really pioneers on the, in the genomic diagnostic space that has now become a huge industry. And then on the data side with Ovia Health, now helped over 10 million women, something I'm incredibly proud of and the team is incredibly proud of, you know, to help them do some of the most important work that they do in their life of starting their family. And it's really, you know, been an amazing place to innovate, but also really positively impact the world. That's outstanding. And so you definitely have found a, a great niche to make that impact. And uh, folks, Paris uh, was actually named to the 40 under 40 list in Boston in uh, 2017. So the way you do this is by adding major value on scale. And he's doing just that. So Paris, just diving into the healthcare system today, you know, you guys are focused on women's health. And so within that, what would you say a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you guys approaching it? Yeah, I think when I'm out looking and talking with folks across the health risk spectrum, I think something that there's not a big enough focus on, uh, and there certainly should be, especially with the way that the trends, the prevailing trends in healthcare, just consumerism in health and thinking about the patient as the customer and how do you design solutions for those people as payers and also as patients. It's been a massive shift in who is paying for healthcare and where those dollars are coming from. Each year, a larger and larger uh, percent of those dollars, but also, frankly, just a larger and larger percentage of, of the responsibility for one's healthcare is falling on that patient or that consumer. Yet the industry as a whole is still designing solutions for providers, for payers, and not necessarily for this end user who now more likely than ever, and especially going into the future, is is likely going to be the one who's paying for that service um, and likely going to be the one who's you know responsible for the follow-up. So I really think, how does the industry change? How do we really embrace consumers, rethink the role that they're going to be playing in the ecosystem going forward, and start designing solutions that allow them to be more educated about their own healthcare um, and better navigate the system, whether it be on the payment side or even on the treatment side, where these users are getting more and more responsibility. I think that's such a great highlight, Paris. And I've had a previous guest say that the user interface to healthcare is broken. And it presents many opportunities for entrepreneurs. And so you're, you're definitely highlighting that point as well. Can you give the listeners an example of how you at OIA or, or at one of your other companies have improved that user interface? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the big problems in healthcare is data interoperability, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all these amazing data analytics tools that exist, but there's not a data set for them to be used against that can really forward science and understanding. So at Ovia, we came up with this really simple idea, which is we will create a great platform for users that's really delightful, and we'll ask them to share their data. And then we'll use that database to do core research on women's health really to get the outcomes. So, you know, we, we started, we launched this about five years ago. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, we now have the largest data set that's ever been collected in women's health, over 15 billion data points across Amazing. 10 million women. And we're using Amazing. clinical guidelines and machine learning to really understand the fundamental biology of women's health and how to promote outcomes in a way that's totally unprecedented, right? And it really started from that design thinking of not saying, hey, how do we 
how do we access information that's in an EMR maybe across different platforms and then reformat it into something that we can scale? You know, we said, hey, you know, we now have about 40% of the pregnant population in the U.S. on our application. We're using the data from those users to do real-time analytics giving that information back to the users and they're changing their behavior based upon that. So we really are able to practice kind of this population-wide medicine based upon putting the consumer at the middle and designing a solution around that user fundamentally and treating them as both the, you know, the, the payer, the provider and the patient. And they've really been able to respond to that in a huge way. And we've been able to do things that are really unprecedented. What a great example. Uh, And, you know, so was this the vision from the beginning? Did it evolve? Maybe you could walk us through the journey because that that to me is very interesting. Yeah. So we really started out with this vision of wanting to become the platform where women and family went to make their most important health and life decisions. We believe that to build a really meaningful, engaging healthcare experience, you need to go everything from what color do you paint your nursery and what are the hot baby names this year to is that symptom normal and how do I avoid preeclampsia or preterm birth and everything in between. So, you know, we started with a direct consumer applications, became kind of the number one digital health brand for millennial moms, built the database around it, started using analytics to really understand what that data was telling us in a way that no one had ever been able to do before, turn that into outcomes and results for our users, which we then were able to take those outcomes and results and engagement and start working with payers and employers and provider organizations to help improve the outcomes for the users, but at the same time, just have a completely delightful, understandable experience for those users that they wanted to interact with every day. It's a stressful time and there's a lot of questions and you guys made yourself the friendly uh, place to go and, and the users responded. So, you know, as folks, as we, as we approach this, this topic of healthcare consumerism, it's more than just a topic. It's, it's the reality, right? I mean, we're used to going onto Amazon, clicking a couple buttons, getting some recommendations on what we find relevant and the speed at which it all happens. It's just critical that we align to that in the healthcare space. And I love Paris's message here. Him and his team are doing this. So definitely a lot to be learned from Paris's words of wisdom here. Paris, how about the other side of things? Tell us when you had a setback, something that didn't work out the way you wanted it to, what you learned and what you do differently as a result of that. Yeah, I mean, a, a great example is, is from my, my first business, Good Search Genetics. You know, we were really committed and really excited about how next generation gene sequencing was going to change medicine, you know, really revolutionize medicine. This was right when the, the first generation of gene sequencers were coming out right after the human genome had been sequenced for the first time. And we were really scientifically and clinically motivated. And I think, you know, ultimately the mistake that we made was not going out and talking to enough doctors and realizing that although clinical accuracy was important and the technology was important, there were other things that they wanted to do with their patients, things around turnaround time, things around out-of-pocket pay for patients that were not going to be reimbursed for that, direct-to-patient reporting um, that we just missed. So we launched a test that was absolutely the the gold standard in the market and Mm -hmm. continues to be today, but didn't have some of these other features that folks came out. And I think everyone would, would admit this now that with a much lower quality test, 
but that had some of these features that really made it attractive in the market. And they were able to, to you know, effectively compete with us. Hmm. Whereas if we had both had the gold standard test, as well as some of these features early on, there would have been no way to compete with us. And that was a big lesson that I took on to Ovia and really thinking yeah. about, you know, making sure that we stayed really, really close to our users, really, really close to the, to the folks who were paying us. And, you know, it's not about what we want to sell them. It's about what they want to buy and really making sure and what they want to use and really making sure that that we stay close to those folks and, and we're making the, the right decisions for them, not just the right decisions, you know, based upon the technology or based upon other prevailing trends. Man, that's such a great call, Paris. And um, what comes to mind is that uh, I'm not sure if you ever read the the Blue Ocean Strategy. I have not read that. Uh, you haven't? Uh, it's it's a great one. And and he lays out a really cool buyer utility map. So it takes you from from start to end the buyer experience and then the six areas of utility and then just kind of plotting yourself on the map. And it's really kind of thinking through this paradigm, the lesson that you learn, and it's, and it's easy to, to say from the outside versus when you're in the trenches, right? And so it's so cool to hear about your, your story, what you've learned and now how you're applying it and the structure for those listening that, that Paris is, is Blue Ocean Strategy. It's the buyer utility map. Put a link to it on the, on the show notes, but it is a concept that's cost companies billions of dollars and it's all uh, helped companies uh, help billions of people and make billions of dollars. So yeah. Paris, what a great, I, great thing to share. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, I think absolutely resonates and that's still, that's the next barrier with healthcare is for folks, big healthcare companies to actually start designing things with the patient in mind, not designing things that physicians will use for their patients, not designing things that that payers will use for their patients, but actually designing things that patients want to use mm-hmm. that also have utility for payers and providers. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that that's an approach that we've taken that shouldn't be novel, but is in the healthcare system right now. Yeah. Oh wow. That's super interesting. And and yeah, you know, you, you gotta keep all of the constituents in in play, folks. And Paris and his team know how to do that. They have a sweet spot for this. What would you say one of your your proudest leadership experiences in healthcare has been to date, Paris? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm only a leader because I have a fantastic team uh, behind me. And I think the biggest milestone that we've celebrated so far at Iovia and, and something that I just have huge pride in the accomplishment and also in the team that, that has allowed us to get there is to have over 10 million users, right? So if you think about it, there's 4 million births a year in the U.S. We've been around for about six years. We have about two and a half years worth of all the births in the U.S. have used the Ovia platform to help them um, do the most important work that they do in their life, which is start their family. And to be able to have that big of an impact, to be able to help people during this time in their life really get to better outcomes and, and make it easier um, and how many lives we've saved with our technology across those, those 10 million folks. It's just such a meaningful accomplishment for myself personally, having you know, started this with with three other folks and, and, you know, been around a table to have that level of impact and have a team that's really dedicated to seeing that impact in the world. It's definitely my largest accomplishment as a leader. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Uh, and for the listeners, uh, Paris, that are either pregnant or 
connect with your service? Yeah, so you can you can go on to the App Store. Uh, we have three apps, Ovia Fertility, Ovia Pregnancy, Ovia Parenting. We also have solutions for providers, for payers, and for employers. So, you know, on the employer side, we're really focused on improving the way that, that families are supported in the workforce, both from the outcomes perspective, as well as from the employee perspective. And we love working with employers on that. Love that. And from the provider perspective, you also have a, a solution? We do. Yeah. So we're starting to work with provider organizations to really to be the digital platform that providers are using to continually monitor their patients and to become relevant in their patients' digital lives to improve outcomes and engagement with their provider. Outstanding. Again, you know, folks, this is a, a great example of just mastering what you offer and just offering it to all in our healthcare system, there's a lot of stakeholders. So whether you be a provider, a payer, a patient, family, there's definitely a way for you to take advantage of the solution that Ovia has uh, put out there. So appreciate you highlighting that, Paris. Tell us a little bit about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today. Yeah, I mean, we're really, really focused on building this uh, employer and provider business, right? The, mm -hmm. the end goal is to obviously improve the way that families are supported in the workplace, but at really surround our users with all of the resources they need, whether it be their employer benefits, their insurer benefits, their providers, where they can get access to all those resources inside of our application to really make a meaningful impact on their outcomes, on their clinical outcomes, as well well as you know, making it as easy as possible to transition from employee to working parent, successful working parent. This is a transition that's incredibly hard in the U.S. for a variety of reasons, yeah. both from you know negative health outcomes because people are not getting guideline-driven care to workplaces that are well-intentioned but don't necessarily have their benefits programs designed in a way that are easy to use or understand for the pregnant population. So helping companies solve this and seeing what it means to our users when these things are solved. It's just absolutely tremendous, the impact that we're able to have and, and something we're really, really excited to continue. Um, the business is growing incredibly quickly. We'll grow 200% this year because it's just, you know, I think obviously we have an amazing solution, but a lot of it is just, it's a huge issue out there. And it's something yeah. that employers are realizing they can really do something meaningful in their employees' life during, you know, this incredibly high stress, but really happy time. So they're seeing what we're doing and saying, yeah, I want to be part of it. I want to be part of this movement. So it's been really heartening to see that. That's outstanding, Paris. And in employers today are one of the largest economic stakeholders in this. So if you're an employer looking for a way to, to support your employees, another solution to think about. Kudos to you and your team, my friend. This is uh, uh, truly exciting. And uh, talk about just finding that tipping point where you're offering that value to patients and then also even to the payers whether it be uh, employers or, or insurance companies. You've taught us a lot. I'd love to just summarize it together with you today. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of medicine today. It's the 101 of Paris. And so I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to write a syllabus with you. I've got four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Yeah. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think the best way and the lowest hanging fruit is just is data, right? Being able to actually yes. deeply understand your users or your patients or your members or your employees in a 
data-driven way that is replicable, that is applicable across an entire population, huge opportunity there that very, very, very few companies are actually taking advantage of. Love that. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Make sure you deeply understand the user of your product or service and that you deeply understand the buyer of your product and service. They may be the same person, but in healthcare, a lot of times they're two different people and you need to design for both of those folks with a deep understanding of, of both of them. Very wise. Folks, listen, because it's some good stuff. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think that it kind of, it's a little bit a, a twofer with the last answer. I think it's really understanding your user, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to know where the market's going, if you want to know what people are going to want next year or five years from now, ask them. If you have that relationship built in and you have this kind of virtuous cycle where you're continuously learning about those folks who are using your product and buying your product, you're going to be able to stay ahead of where those needs are and you're going to be able to continue to iterate the product in line with what their desires are. And you know, I think that is absolutely key in ensuring that you are up to date and doing what you need to be doing. Love it. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a healthcare organization? Uh, yeah, again, I guess this is the threefer. Um, <laughs> it's your users. As soon as you design something that you don't know the users are going to love, you're going to make a mistake. And I got this great advice when we, when we first started doing digital product design. Someone said, keep asking the question until you know what the answer is going to be because you've heard the same answer so many times. Hmm. And I think if, you, if companies were going to go out and actually be able to and do that, you could avoid so many mistakes and so many billions that are wasted on products that no one wants or no one's ever going to use. Love that. Do you guys know what your user wants? <laughs> and is your user the one that buys it? Great message here, Paris. What would you say your favorite book that we'd add to the syllabus for the listeners is? Yeah, so I'm going to be a little contrarian here, and I'm actually going to talk about a podcast because you know, this it. is a podcast, so presumably people are both reading books and listening to podcasts who are yes. tuned into this. How I Built This, which is an NPR podcast, I think yeah. is absolutely fantastic. They tell the stories of entrepreneurs who hmm. have built huge companies like Patagonia or Airbnb, and they talk about you know really the very, I would argue, simple customer understandings that these entrepreneurs came to that right. led to these gigantic companies. And I love it because super it shows cool. that, you know, the stuff doesn't have to be super complicated. It's folks just really digging into a customer, really understanding what their needs are, having some insights about the trends of where the world's going. You put those together and you're really able to build a huge company. And I think, you know, being in healthcare and, and technology on this side, I think there's so much we can learn from the pure tech folks on the other side. And this is a, a great way to hear from some of the best entrepreneurs in the world and what they did to really build the companies that we all use every day. Love that. What a great recommendation, Paris. And, you know, as a podcaster, I'm a huge consumer of podcasts as well and love that you made this recommendation. It's been recommended to me before, but I've never actually listened to it. So I am now going to listen to the first episode today. Thanks to you. <laughs> great. <laughs> Thank you very much. And listeners, take a look at that too, because it sounds amazing. Before we conclude, Paris, this has been fun. Um, love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of closing thoughts, I think this is the time to do it in healthcare. There, you know, it's the largest industry in the in the United States, and things need to radically change over the next decade um, for it to be sustainable. Um, it's the one thing that everyone in the country is going to use at, at one point or another, and if you can figure something out, we can really make a huge impact on people's lives in a way that you can't in any other industry. And really, together, we can have a huge impact on the world and the way that people are living in it. So I really would encourage people. I know it's really hard and it's slower and, and harder and sometimes seems like less fun than some of the other industries, but this is the place to be. And it's just getting started. We're just at the end of, I think at the end of kind of the first stage and about to get to the really, really exciting part in healthcare and digital innovation uh, therein. In terms of getting in touch with me, Paris Wallace, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, would love to answer any follow-up questions, um, share more about what we're doing. I love mentoring young entrepreneurs, thinking about these these things, or anyone who wants to talk about consumerism in healthcare. Uh, would love to have that conversation with you. Outstanding, Paris. Uh, you gave me goosebumps with that closing thought. So a word of encouragement to all of us listening to this. Paris, thank you for spending time with us and looking forward to seeing where you take this company and the next ones that you get involved with in the future. Thanks so much for all you do. Saul, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Take care. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.